Week three of Uncomfortable. Look at your neighbor and say, welcome back. I didn't think you'd come. After last week, I figured everybody would just bail out on us, and Leslie made me by here by herself, but here we are. So many of you have decided to come back and get uncomfortable with us. Look at your neighbor and say, you look a little uncomfortable. Just a little bit. The hard work gets done when we face the uncomfortable circumstances headlong and attempt to mitigate the root cause of the problem. Anybody got any problems? No problems? All is well. <laughs> That's what mom said all the time. That was the name of her email back when she had one 100 years ago. All is well. All is well. That's a good statement, though. It is scriptural. Um, often say life is for living. But unfortunately, too many of us Christians are living our lives for ourselves and for our own benefit. Christ came to our world not to live for himself, but to make a way where there was no way. He fixed our problem. He was already in heaven and was going to live there eternally. But he wanted, to, wanted us to have a chance to experience heaven too. When are we going to lay down our lives for the sake of the gospel? The only way that's going to happen is for us to get uncomfortable. Travis and Ashley did an awesome job last week. Let's, let's give them a hand. Travis and Ashley uh, came up on the platform and positioned themselves in front of you. And uh, it's just awesome to get to hear from them. I appreciate their willingness to share their stories and to present God's truths the way they see them. They seem comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. I want you to know that I'm naturally a, a people pleaser and I don't want to hurt anyone or for anybody to be mad at me. So Travis or Ashley, if, if you're mad at me for calling on you, I apologize. Love me anyway, please, if you will. But this series is about teaching about that Leslie talked about in week one where Jesus was outside the gates when they crucified him, when they hung him on the cross and when they buried him in the tomb. It was all outside of the gates and it wasn't very comfortable. And how that Jesus conquered the situation that he was faced with. We've talked about a couple different things, and last week we walked through several topics. And Ashley and uh, Travis brought out some things about, Ashley talked about some addiction, and Travis talked about how we can get along in the midst when we don't agree. And those are uncomfortable situations that we find ourselves in all too often. If we all agreed on everything and every line item, the world will be a pretty boring place. The whole world was like me. It would be perfect, right? 
if the whole world was like me, it would just be a perfect place and it would just be so awesome and just because I'm so awesome. Don't we all think about ourselves that way? Sadly. But all too often we think that we are right or we are correct. But at the same time, we run into somebody somewhere, some no good, low down. <laughs> they don't believe like me. They don't talk like me. They don't look like me. They don't smell like me. They don't eat the good food that I eat. And we find ourselves in situations where people are not like us. Has anybody ever encountered this? Raise of hands if you've ever encountered a situation where that you found out somebody was not like you and not perfect. And when that happens, if we attempt to articulate what our stance is on any given subject or topic, the word that happens or that defines what happens is confrontation. How many's ever been in a confrontation? Just don't look over at your husband or wife that's sitting beside of you, if that's the case, because I'm sure that it's happened if you've been married for more than a day. <laughs> I love it when we go to weddings and, you know, the girls, are, they put so much effort and attention into every little detail and what colors the flowers and what everybody's got to do and they just pay so much attention and there's attention to the details I mean right down to the things that's on the tables and just they pay so much particular attention to it and the guys just walk in like yep where do I stand <laughs> that's all they care about where am I supposed to be just keep me out of trouble I want to get through this so I can get through the day but the and also often I, I've performed I don't know how many weddings they asked me a while back when I was performing a wedding they said how many have you done I said I don't know it's been a bunch a bunch a lot and I've seen the best and I've seen the worst and I've seen the mediocre and I've seen the low budget and I've seen the extravagant and I've been all across the spectrum with it but in the midst of what's supposed to be the happiest moment in a couple's lives if in-laws get involved the outlaws in them come out. <laughs> come on, somebody. <laughs> and it's a, it's a very tense situation when you're at a wedding. It's like everybody, let's please. And I know you guys do this behind the scene. You go to your family about, I know Aunt Susie that you're going to do it this way. Please, just be on your best behavior. We've got to get through this. It's just going to be 15 minutes, please. <laughs> you know, you're begging and you're crying and, and Susie's like, oh, yeah, that'll be fine. I'll just, I'll just take a back seat, and I won't have any opinion about anything. And the next thing you know, you look up, and Aunt Susie's back there with Aunt Sally from the opposite side of the camp, and they're in a confrontation about where this ought to be or that ought to be. So if you're going to get married, hire somebody to manage it, and don't let that be your family. Amen. Get you a, what do they call them? Wedding planner. Because I assure you, Bridezilla's coming to town. And confrontation's going to happen. 
But confrontation is uncomfortable. Some personality types enjoy confrontation and they look for it. They wake up in the morning and pray, God, please let me confront somebody today. <laughs> Others of us wake up in the morning and say, God, whatever you do, don't let any confrontation come to my doorstep today. There's people that will weasel their way out of confrontation, and there's people that will punch you in the face over confrontation. The world is a pretty diverse place. Everybody say, get to the scripture, Pastor. <laughs> it's going to get real in here today. Aren't you glad you came? Just It feels kind of confrontational that you came now, though. It's like, I don't know, maybe I'm confronting myself internally. Why am I here listening to this guy talk about confrontation? Because it's scriptural, I believe. And I believe Jesus wants us to take the whole counsel of God into our repertoire. And when we come to church, it shouldn't just all be lollipops and kumbaya and throwing rose petals at each other's. Amen. We've got to learn how to get through this thing. And that's what Jesus wants us to do today. And he paints a perfect picture for us throughout Scripture. And I want to read some of that today. But Jesus is often portrayed as a sissy and a weak leader in a lot of ways through our Christian experience. But actually, he knew full well how to confront evil face to face. The devil himself tempted Jesus at the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Luke chapter 4. The enemy, the opposing force to Jesus, Lucifer, the one that was kicked out of heaven and he fell like lightning in an instant when he tried to oppose God. Jesus, born in a manger, grows up 30 years of his life, his mom and dad conditioning him for the ministry that he was about to embark upon. God had laid upon their hearts to be the best parents they could be for their child. And you can do the very best that you can in raising your kids. But once they hit 18, everybody say they're on their own. <laughs> so if you've got an 18-year-old kid still living with you, just look over and say it's time to get on out. I'm ready for the empty nester syndrome. Amen. I don't have kids. I can say that pretty openly. I know how you adults are. You want your kids to stay at home forever, and that's awesome. There we go. I got a good amen in the center section back here. The two redheads want their baby to stay with them forever. I'm sure that uh, Tabby's son enjoys it very much that he's over in college and his mom posting pictures and, oh, I want my baby to be bit little forever. <laughs> I'm sure he's really enjoying that. My friends are going to see that, Mom. Come on. <laughs> Confrontation kindly, really. But, but think about that, that the devil, in his own ignorance and his own high-mindedness about who he is in his existence, is so headstrong about what he thinks that he's willing to come and face Jesus himself, the very Son of God, face to face. And he's so dumb and so ignorant that he thinks he can trick him. 
I don't know that Jesus said this, but I somewhat believe it. It's not in Scripture. It's not in black and white. It's not in red. But I believe Jesus somewhat opposed him in this way. He said, not today, devil. Not today. Has the enemy ever attacked you? Has there ever been situations that arose in your life and it seemed like the enemy himself showed up to oppose you and confront you face to face and it seemed like you was taking him head on? Jesus answered all of the lures that the enemy was fishing with and he opposed him with scripture. So the enemy would say, you know, I'll take him up on this high mountain and I'll give you all this if you'll bow down and worship me. Jesus said, well, the scripture says, worship God himself. <laughs> I, I'm not going to worship you today, Satan. And three times it gives accounts to where that the enemy buffeted Jesus or tried Jesus or attempted to lure Jesus into his camp. And Jesus opposed him all three times. But the most lovely verse in that portion of scripture about that story is verse 13 i'm gonna read it to you and when the devil had ended all the temptation he departed from him for a season you can win the good fight of faith today and the devil might leave you alone until tomorrow or he might leave you alone until next month or he might not be too scared of you and leave you alone for five years. If we're doing nothing good for the gospel and according to the kingdom of God, why does he need to oppose us? Mm -hmm. But the second you pick up your sword and you say, I'm going to fight the good fight of faith and I'm in the army of the Lord and you begin to witness and you begin to read your Bible and you begin to declare the things of God, the enemy is going to come at you. But guess what? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If you learn that scripture and write it upon the tablets of your heart and believe that that is true, <laughs> we've got to believe it. It's not enough to read it. We have to believe it and declare it that this is my life, that God is with me. But it says that he left for a season. Everybody say, not today, devil. Not today, devil. Why is everybody grunting all at once? Everybody's clearing their throats like, huh, I've never said that before. Not today, devil. <coughs> How about we say it like we mean it? Not today, devil. Not today, Satan. You may be thinking about that person sitting beside of you. <laughs> Man, I'm glad it's dark in here. But we can rest assured that Jesus faced people who were used by the enemy as a conduit. 
So I want to read a portion of Scripture, and there's a lot of Scripture here, but I want to read it, and I think we need to hear it, and then we're going to have a discussion about it. It's in Matthew chapter 23, so I'm going to read Matthew chapter 23 to us. <laughs> Really good uh, text of scripture. And the beautiful thing about it is if you have a Bible that uh, depicts the words of Jesus in red, this entire chapter is red. So this isn't Matthew saying this is what I think about what Jesus did or anything else. This is actually Jesus' words. Everybody ready? I need some sound effects, Leslie. Yeah, I need I need some I need some dramatic effects to can you cue that up? Okay. Look over and smile real big at somebody. I'm ready. Think of Jesus saying these words, and you know how those Jesus Bible stories are when it's on video, right? This is the way they do it. They got this behind it, so I want I wanted to read with something like this. The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatsoever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not walk according to their works, for they say and they do not do. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their flatteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues. Greetings in the marketplaces and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi, but you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven, and do not be called teacher, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whosoever humbles themselves will be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves nor do you allow those who enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for pretense make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you will travel the land to, to see, to try to win one proselyte. When he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, whosoever swears by the temple, it is nothing, but whosoever swears by the gold in the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold or the temple? 
And whosoever swears by the altar, it is nothing but whosoever swears by the gift that is on it is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind. For which is greater, for the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and all things in it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by he himself who dwells in it. He who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and him who sits on it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you pay tithe and mint and anise and cumin, and you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These ought to you have done without leaving the other undone. Blind guides who strains out a gnat and swallows a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleans the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like the whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear both beautiful outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn monuments of righteousness and say, if we had lived in these days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore, you are witnesses against yourself that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you will kill and crucify. Some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and prosecute them from, persecute them from city to city. That on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Surely I say to you, all these things will come to this generation. Jerusalem, O oh Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who I sent to her, how often I want to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are not willing. See, your house is left to your desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more, till I say to you, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Then Jesus went out. Jesus confronted the scribes and Pharisees. And he didn't send letters to do it. He didn't send nasty Facebook posts or 
mean verbiage through messenger or memes on Instagram. Went face to face with the biggest, baddest, most powerful people on the planet where he lived. And he called them out to their very face. Or say, I want to be like Jesus. And sometimes when we say that, Betty and some of the ladies, they've, Sandy and some of them, you know, love you like Jesus. If you haven't heard him say it, you ought to pick that up and make it part of your repertoire that you can say. But sometimes Jesus loves somebody so much that he tells them when they're wrong. Yeah. And he'll confront them face to face. And pretty brutally, really. Because when you call a scribe or a Pharisee a hypocrite, that's a pretty strong statement. It's a big statement. And I believe that there is some church leaders throughout our world today that should be called out. That Jesus would rebuke them. And that he would sum up their actions don't measure up with their words. And in that statement, I believe we all need to say, I'm guilty. I am guilty. I don't want to point at any of you. I want to point at me and say, I'm guilty. I've said that I would love people unconditionally. And when they didn't treat me the way I want to be treated, it's pretty easy to back up and say, mm-mm. <laughs> Not today, devil. You might even got an altercation with that person. You confronted them. <laughs> Maybe you even said it pretty, pretty mean. <clears throat> they say it's wise to confront in private but to praise in public and I believe that's somewhat true that if you're a manager at your workplace or you have people that's under your care and you've been given leadership I don't believe we should ever begin with criticizing someone publicly Amen. You should go to that person according to the scripture. In Matthew, Jesus taught his disciples, if you have an ought against your brother and you come to pray, go find your brother or your sister. Have a conversation with them about what you're feeling. And he didn't say to go do that in the public square and say, I call you out and come down to the courthouse steps and we're going to duke it out. Come on, somebody. He said, let's do this in a righteous way. 
in a wholesome way. So sometimes we can read and hear sermons like this and we begin to process things in your mind and maybe you're sitting there and you've got a situation going on right now and you're getting ready to confront somebody and you're like, amen, today was my day and Jesus, you've just given me confirmation and hallelujah. You better go to them privately. I'm just here to tell you. Don't do it publicly. Look at your neighbor and say, have some cooth. Cooth. I don't even know what that is, but have some cooth. Cool. means be a little bit nice, I guess. I don't know. What? Calm. Wow. Ooh, that's peaceful already. Uh. I just feel so great in here. and You know, it's, it's not uncomfortable in here at all. It's just so peaceful and there's so much cooth just flowing and ebbing through. I love what little uh, Ollie Bell said last week. It just vibe wasn't right, man. It wasn't, wasn't right vibe, right? <laughs> Jesus, help us. Amen. Jesus, help us. Give me wisdom. The Bible says, "If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to men liberally and upbraideth not." God liberally gives wisdom when we ask. I need some wisdom to face situations that come my way. <laughs> I like it over here better. You're not a very pleasant backdrop. I was until I got married about 17 years ago. <laughs> Everything went downhill after that. I don't know what happened. Here we go again for the uncomfortable situation of. You didn't do that anymore. Yeah, they'll need a microphone, sure. Yeah, whoever it's going to be. How many more weeks of this we got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's going to keep on going. We're no, maybe one, maybe more. <coughs> this might be the end of it. Who knows? It's just uncomfortable. That's all. So this, this is pretty awesome because we get to talk about confrontation, and I know nobody in here has got a master's degree in that, uh, even if you got you know, went through psychology and all those things, and maybe got a social worker degree or something that said, I don't know who's got what. Anybody just good for dealing with people? Not me. So got any volunteers? Who's pushing who? <laughs> oh, Travis is pushing Lonetta. That'd be awesome. Well, Ben's we're talking about confrontation. I wanted a redhead. <laughs> Come on up, D. <laughs> I was thinking David. You know how this is. We've we've watched too many movies. David, you'd make you'd make a good awesome thing too. Um, I mean, yeah. Um, good thing is your son's sitting here too. It's gonna be so awesome, D. 
Perfect. <laughs> this is perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's perfect timing. I think this is just really good. You look good, girl. Thanks. And then I need somebody. Um, it's just crazy how how this works out. But you know, I need I need somebody that's really good at uh, uh, bringing out the best in people. You know, just like somebody that can really put icing on top of the cake, you know, just somebody like that. Um, yeah, okay. There, there's somebody here that's got, got a gift of, <laughs> of icing on top of the cake. <laughs> and I'm not saying they're a perfect person by no means, but it's somebody that I just want to hear kind of what they got to say. Um, and it's a he, so that, that eliminates some people in the crowd. <laughs> We're learning when we need him, right? Yeah. He's over there teaching the kids. And they're learning a lot. I'm sure he's adding some vibe to the room. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, well, you know. The males in the room are enjoying this <laughs> part of the experience, I'm sure, because it said it was, a, it was him, right? So it could be any one of you, really. I mean, it's pretty uncomfortable. It could be any one of you, but. <laughs> no, that'd be too confrontational if we did that. That wouldn't be exactly right. So. Um, let's see. I think it needs to be somebody that, that knows how to bring the best out in people when they don't believe in their self sometimes. And maybe it would be sports-related. Is anybody around? See anybody around? I think they're on the back row. I can't really see. It's kind of dark in here. Do you care to push him out there, mother-in-law? Uh, let's welcome up. Sammy, oh, he, he's so excited to come up here and be uncomfortable in front of a crowd of people. I think we need to turn the lights on so you can see their face now. So somebody back there, uh, yeah, go, yeah, go ahead and kick the lights on there, Shannon, if you don't care. Sammy, I think you have to turn it on. Yeah. Okay. Are, you, are we good? Yeah. Everything good? Yeah. Excited? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's just tell them we love them so they'll be at ease. Connor does a lot of sports, too. Oh, does he, Connor? You're saying he needs to like a sidekick? Well, Connor, go get you a chair. Come on up, Connor. Come on up. We'll, we'll, you get you a chair. You can come on up. Sammy's called you out. That's pretty uncomfortable, Sammy. Why would you do somebody that way? There's Coach Kenny in here. Todd's been a coach a lot. There's some, there's some high-power coaching going on up in here, and that's an awesome thing. So Ephesians 6 says this. I, I want to read this verse, and then we'll just talk a little bit. For we ought, are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So, Coach, we're going to begin with you. And in coaching, when you're going up against a 
big boy battle team. They may have a better coach than your team. They may have more uh, monetary funds in their coffers. They may have a better, what do they call them, like boosters? Is that what you guys call them? The you, you need any boosters? <laughs> it's been a good opportunity to say I'm looking for some boosters. Um, yeah, uh, football does pretty good. I've And baseball does good too. I mean, you guys sell some pretty good stuff over there. That's pretty awesome to go to the game. But sometimes the unseen things or the thought world, let's say it that way, is the battle that you have to win before you ever step on the field. Correct? How do you get a group of high school kids to believe in themselves when all the stats say differently? Coach the crowd. Well, um, my dad always told me, you know, before we'd play Ashland or the Round County, he'd say, show them what uh, a little chicken poop between your toes does. <laughs> um, you know, Lewis County boys, he always said chicken poop. And uh, we always used the saying, they put their britches on the same way we do. Um, you know, one leg at a time. And it's not about what's across the chest. Um, that's, you know, we talk about that a lot. It's a Lewis County way. You see Ashland, Round County, and we like to lay down. And, um, you know, anything can happen once you're out on the court or on the field. And like I said, they put their pants on the same way we do. So you need to know who you're up against, right? And in that, you understand that they're just human beings. So this verse says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and things in the dark world that we can't see. It, it's a mind game. But if you believe that you're of equal, or even have chicken poop between your toes. I don't know that that's a church slang. I don't know. Is that everybody okay with that? I mean, I brought up Sammy. He said it. I didn't. I mean, if you want to point fingers and you're confrontational about it, I, I don't know. It talks about dung. You can say dung. That's a biblical term, dung. Same, same thing, but, I mean, you can call it whatever you want. But So that's saying that we have a little more um, reason to win. I want to win. What's the source of their strength? So, and you, you've seen this too, madam. You've seen this too. A couple of times. A couple of times. So somebody that um, comes in the office, you're trying to tell them that they're going to get better. It, it seems impossible. My range of motion is only 15 degrees. I, I don't know everything you do, but I, you know, I'm just trying to pretend here. So just work with me. Okay, like I got 15 degrees of whatever. And, and you're trying to say, well, you're, you're going to get back to, you know, we'll, we'll at least get you back, you know, to where you need to be. And you're going to be on par with where you were before, if not better. I mean, because you're kind of positive, you know, reinforcement, that kind of stuff. But the, the source of their angst is within their self that they can't. It hurts. It is hard. Mm -hmm. It's always easy to help someone that wants to be helped and somebody who doesn't want to be helped. For sure. So, okay, so in, in your patient clientele at the moment, 
and don't call out anybody in the room if anybody's in here that you've been working on lately, but um, okay. <laughs> um, so, so when they come in and, and, and you're saying it helps when they, you know, can get there, can, can you help them get there even if they don't believe it right now? Yes. Was you trained to help them get there even if they don't believe right now? So a little, but not really. Actually, I had a professor that was like, you're going to be really great at this because you're really good at making people believe they're better even when they're not. So I don't know. I don't know if I really do that, but Leslie doesn't think so. So I would hate to have her for a patient. I know I just violated HIPAA with Leslie, but it's my wife. It's okay. I was going to say, they charged me $200 yeah. to ride a bicycle for 10 minutes. I don't feel like that. I don't feel like that. That's not it's not her. She did good. She did good. <laughs> so, so let's put this in biblical terms. Does God want us to live in gloom and doom? Does he want us to have a positive outlook that I am getting better even though I failed today? Absolutely. He uses my failures. Come on, somebody. Paul said, I am weak. When I'm weak, he is strong. God can change our mindset. But where's the source of that gloom and doom come from? The devil. So the second we would say, why would God save me? There's people that really believe God don't want to save me. They went to churches and somebody said, if you don't come tonight, God's never going to call you again. Hold, hold the mic up. They need oh, to hear. Sorry. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I feel like everybody might be a little bipolar. I am not a psychologist. I will just let you know that right now. But, you know, like when I go to work, I'm a pretty okay person, I feel like. It's when I come home that I'm not an okay person. So being at work is really easy. You know, like I have patients. It's my job to, to coach them or whatever to be in better or to try or to ride that bike for 15 minutes or whatever it is but when I get home like it's it's not the same like that's when it's like a totally different story so I feel like everybody might be a little bipolar you know so some instances in my life I feel like it's easier to like use God and I'm in Lewis County and so I know it's like very not common to talk like politics and religion but I do that actually a little bit I'm kind of a yapper actually um and it is easy to do at work. And I actually do use my work for that platform, and it's much better. And I do better. But when I come home and I try to do that as a platform, I tend to argue a little bit more with the people I love. <laughs> so it's a little more stressful to do that at home than it is. When I was I, waiting for so the amen. I'm just saying, you know, like if I'm having somebody in a hamstring stretch and I'm just talking away, they just listen. It's just great. But I can't seem to get my family to follow that. <laughs> So, anyway, that's that for whatever that is worth. <laughs> the hurt will come from those closest to you. True. That is true. And the hardest battles that you'll face is in your own home. Absolutely. Yeah. Amen? Amen. It's tough. Amen. Because the closer we get to somebody, the more our real side comes out. And we, we're not afraid to 
go in the bathroom and you know wipe off her makeup and right. I, I, I do that. Don't you do that? Yeah, okay, every night just go in, you know, wipe off your makeup and come out with the towel around your head and you know just it's easier to come out there and it's a little harder to go in public and do it. So the source of bitterness, the source of hurt, the source of shame. The source of all evil is the enemy. So when we're wrestling, it says here, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers. So when the enemy, it says he left Jesus for a season, it means he left in being able to be seen by Jesus. But then the enemy would come through conduits of Pharisees and Sadducees. And he would use people. And I don't think it's really demon possession what this is saying. But the enemy uses others' actions to trigger us. And I don't know who's got a hair trigger and who don't. But (laughs) some people's easier triggered than others. But the enemy still used whatever means necessary to try to get the outcome that he desired. He wanted to accomplish something. He wanted to tear Jesus apart. And he wanted to make Jesus look like a fool, and he used Pharisees and Sadducees to try to do that. But we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. So when Jesus said, hypocrites, you brood of vipers, you whitewashed sepulchers, he was talking to individuals, but he was talking to the spirit realm that was using human beings to oppose. All evil comes from the enemy. And all good comes from above. So when these confrontations happen, Timothy, Paul told Timothy this. I want to read this other verse. We're getting close to done here. I, I know you guys come for, you only signed up for one hour, but you're okay. It's kind of confronting, right? So um, 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. That's what we hear in King James. But it says here in the New Living Translation, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Have you ever had an opportunity or a, have you ever had an upcoming game that you wish you had another week to prepare for? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, there's, you know, there's teams out there that you could have all year to prepare for, and it wouldn't matter, Ashland, <laughs> Ball Blazer. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you can, you know, there's always hindsight's twenty twenty. you know, that looking after a game, there's some things that you can pick up that, you know, wish we would have saw more of that or had more time to prepare. Paul is telling Timothy how to confront this. So, and he ends this verse, patiently correct, rebuke. And have you ever had to rebuke a player? Um, so turn your mic back on. I'm afraid they won't hear what you got to say here. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> have you ever had to rebuke a player and set them down and then had to endure their parent? Unfortunately. Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, yes. So, 
so parents, your ears ought to perk up right here and be like, I don't. This may be me. I don't know if you got any kids of the people in the room, but. Um, but encourage people with good teaching he ends this with encourage people with good teaching so how do you turn that rebuke into a teaching moment that the parent could understand that they may walk away. I'm not saying they always do, but this is confrontational because they're going to walk up to you. I can't believe you. Mom, Tommy, he's better than everybody else out of my field, and you've got to sit him down. And, uh, I don't have kids, but I've seen, seen society work, so I, I've kind of got a little bit of play of that. But, okay, how, how do you, how do you get good teaching in a confrontational moment? Um, well, I preface all my parent meetings with, <laughs> I love your son. Uh, there's no hard feelings. Um, I'm going to do everything I can to win a game. And, you know, if that comes with a butt chewing, it comes with a butt chewing. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go behind him, pat him, pat him on the butt, and tell him, you know, this is why I was mad. You corrected it. If they didn't correct it, we'll correct it in practice. Um, and then if it comes with a parent meeting, it comes with a parent meeting, which happens often. Sir, stages to mitigation. One-on-one -on -one to the kid. Yes. Practice with the kid so that he understands and you can show him in action how to do that. Yes. Parent meeting, that's like yeah. the bad times, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not looking at any of them. Sometimes uh, I'm sure nobody out here has ever done any of this stuff, yeah. you know, like it's just usually, yeah. You know, the bridge is like an awesome place Usually for But if the wrong. parent pushes it faster and they ask for forgiveness, that's the Christian thing to do. Say it. It sounds like experienced teaching. Can somebody say amen? I love D. Me and Leslie's a ball game one time and. Uh -huh. I've only told this story about 3,000 times, actually. And but she never came to up Sammy. The, she came up Sammy the actually stamps. doesn't know the backstory. Yeah, it, was, it was awesome. Her, I mean, tears flying, snot slinging. Mad. And I was trying to not say bad words. And she was trying to not say bad words. And unfortunately, she did right in front of her pastor. In the I midst did, of actually. Her. Yes, I did. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not telling you to do that. Um, I'd be lying uh, if I said I, I never I said I did go to them first, actually. God was swirling in my heart saying, don't say bad words. You love your coaches. You love your coaches. And then I looked up, and there's Ben and Leslie. And that was like the Lord <laughs> saying, like, be nice. And so the nice version was there, actually. Because if the version that was in my head would have came out, it would have been way worse. So in my heart, that was a success. <laughs> It absolutely was because how many how many of those Christians need to be real? Amen. The fake Christianity, us all just putting on masks and pretending to be the best of the best. Man, we're, we are a broken people in need of a perfect Savior to cleanse me of my humanity. And I love it when he puts me as a pastor in the midst of the situation in perfect timing that I can just stand there and smile. It's just a beautiful thing. I'm not beautiful. It's a beautiful thing that I get to experience that. So we need to know how to confront. Confrontation's gonna happen. Everybody in here is gonna have confrontations. Whether it's in your home, 
whether it's at work, whether it's at the family reunion. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We can barely get through an hour and a half eating meal and everything's perfect and getting through that without Somebody confrontation. Somebody shows pie on your face. Somebody shows pie on your face. Yeah, they invited Leslie to their family reunion. We're not kin to the Browns, but somehow we ended up there at Brown Town and... And then Lonetta acted on and sent Aunt, what's her name? Well, Helen. Yeah, but we call her Barb. <laughs> so. Barb and Helen. Because they call me Lisa. So. Yeah, so. And, and sends her over there and tells her to put pie in Leslie's face. And one thing you need to know right now, if you don't know, don't mess with Leslie's food. No. She'll cut your finger off if you try to get something off her plate. She don't, and she's up there just in, in a dessert aisle. And, and Helen shoves it in Leslie's face. But then Leslie's like, I can overpower this. How old is she? 50? 50? I'm, I'm going with 50s. 40s. 40s. 39, uh, if she watches, I'm afraid. Um, 39. And Leslie goes over and overpowers her, gets it all up in her hair, all over her face. She's got glasses, Leslie. Lord have mercy, this lady. And, and, and then <laughs> she goes inside, trips over the stand in Amy's house. Or, cake on her glass. Cake on her glass, couldn't see. Leslie wouldn't even help her in the room. <laughs> Lord have mercy, what, kind, what did I marry? <laughs> this is confrontational. I'm going to pay for this when I get home. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, this is good stuff. Be real. Don't fake it till you make it. Just be real. Our society and our world has enough phonies. <coughs> Amen. I don't know how people hold in emotions. That's not a thing I have. I don't. I can't. And I, I really struggle with lying, which comes out brutally honest. I don't mean for it to. It just does. This panel is the best panel. Like th yeah. these situations here, <laughs> Travis shared last week. Ashley shared last week. Now we got some truthful. I mean, how awesome is that that you can sit in front of a crowd of people and just say that? What's wrong with real? Raw. When Jesus worked with his 12 disciples, their situation, one of them cut a guy's ear off. One of them had a cussing fit. Jesus dealt with these 12 people. They had issues, man. We got issues. Look at your neighbor and say, you got issues. I'm going to confront you about it. <laughs> you got some, got some things going on there. Yeah. Okay, last verse, and then we're done. Okay, you guys good? One more verse. You, you okay? Everything good at this point? Okay. Um, this is Jude 1-9. Jude. I, I love Jude. It's not a very long Bible, so Jude's pretty good. And he says this word. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. So when Moses died, Michael, the archangel of God, scriptures tell us here, comes down, and the devil is trying to capture Moses' body. And Michael is arguing this is God's. 
Think about that. Michael the archangel is the highest of the angels, and he is on the army of God. This is the battle angel, the protective angel. And he's fighting the devil over the body of a saint. Was Moses perfect? Read the whole Old Testament. You'll see that he's not. He smoked a rock one time, mad, fits of rage, had issues. But Michael says, and it says here that he didn't dare accuse the devil of blasphemy himself, but he simply said this, the Lord rebuke you. What if God's on your side? What would it feel like knowing God is on your side in the midst of a battle, Lee? Well, generally I try not to be confrontational unless I feel like I'm right. And so, <laughs> so I mean, no, truly and honestly, like, I, I don't get that unconfronta- or confrontational unless I feel feel like you need to know that you're on the wrong side of things so you know I if it's my kids or whatever generally people I love the most is who I yell at the most and that is the truth whether so I mean I don't feel like my confrontation comes from a place you know of evil I feel like for me it actually comes from a place of love so and I've I've gotten that way over the years being through situations which we all have and every situation makes me a little more loud and so anyway I just I generally feel like I fight more with people that I love it's the people you know that I don't love that much that I want to punch in the face and those are the ones that I post about on Facebook but I don't say their names I keep it to myself um but what was the question I'm sorry what do you what do you do how do you do in battle if the Lord's on your side okay I pray. So if I feel like there, I just pray about it. And if I feel like the good Lord wants me to say something, then I just say it. So not all the time. Sometimes it's the devil when it comes out, and then I have to apologize for it. I guess. I don't know. So let's talk about Mama Bear. Oh, gosh. We don't need. So I tell my kids I will fight a raging bull for them, and that is no lie. It's not. I think they know that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> right, son. Son can that'd be a good place for an amen from the son. So, I, um, yeah, um, true, true statement. I've kind of seen it in action. Um, so when you're on their side, it, it causes them to not be as fearful because they know they have support. So I, what if you had a situation that you're getting ready to face, and it seemed like all hell is coming against you? That's every day. I don't know what, yeah. I mean, like every day, that's how I feel. But, I mean, for my kids, like I really just, everything I say comes from faith. Like even though, and Dylan asks me this all the time. I'll try to do this, but. He said to me before, like, I don't know how you have this much faith, Mom. And to be honest, I don't either. It just comes from birth I guess you know like when Ben asked last week when did you know when did you give your life to the Lord I've, it's always been his and I never knew any different from I can't I've been to church my entire life and I, since my divorce I've failed my kids a little bit went to church 
we broke away as a church, but I never did. Like, I never turned my faith. Like, just because I wasn't showing up every Sunday didn't mean that I turned from the Lord because I still was always his daughter. In every dark moment of my life, I never turned away from him. Now, I've, I've argued with him, and I'm not saying that that's okay, but I've always had the absolute greatest faith in the Lord, and I know he's there. And, you know, people have said to me, like, you know, how do you, how do you keep that through, through loss or whatever? You know, when I lost my sister, I was angry because I do have faith. And I know that the power was hit. Like, he could have been there and he could have saved her because he's the Lord and he's omnificent and almighty. So, but I loved him no matter what, whether he decided to take her or he didn't. I loved him. And that faith... I don't know where it comes from. Him, He's just in there. My parents being raised in church, I'm not really sure. But if I could give my kids absolutely one gift, it would be that. Because I am not perfect, not even close, not even a little bit. And I will not sit here and say that I am. In fact, I'm kind of a terrible human being. But I love the Lord, and I just want my kids to absolutely love him as much as I do. And every time, if there is confrontation... Most of the time, it is to battle for what's right, whether it is for my kids or for somebody at work and or for my family or for sports. I mean, listen, those they call some bad calls sometimes, and I just need to tell them. <laughs> but anyway, I just faith is a thing that I just I have, and I just I've just always had that. So I I truly and honestly try to always make sure that that the Lord is with me in every single battle. And I do think about it in my head for a minute. And I do lose control, but um, but it's it's always there. Like, it always is the reason. I don't always do what I'm supposed to do, and I go back and ask for forgiveness. But he is always my driving force. Even if I go, like, the wrong direction, he drives me back into the right direction. When I have to say, I'm really sorry, I went about that the wrong way, and I apologize. But... Anyway, that's it. And that's not easy to say. What she just said is not easy to say. But it's a beautiful thing because it's an exact picture of our Heavenly Father. The way you said what you want your kids to have is faith and belief. That's why Jesus came. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus gives us faith in confrontation, in trouble, waters, in all those things. You just said and stated what God wants for you. Think about how much you love your kids. And just imagine for a second, he loves me more than that. He loves me more than that. He gave his kid for me. And if we ever really, really, truly believed that. You know, and I, I mean, I tell my kids that all the time. My mother-in-law, she's my ex-mother-in-law, but she's a social worker, and she has a lot of hard times with, like, why does God do this to these kids? You know, God does not do that to these kids. God does not give you cancer. God does not put this in someone's mind to molest a child that's not God that's not my God 
But the, the hard fact of the matter is that the devil is here and he works very hard every single day to try to come into your heart and to come into your mind and to make you do things. We have free will. Every day you wake up, it's a test. Every day is a test, you know, and as a parent, I give my kids tests all the time. And I'm like, Ooh, is he going to pass this test or is he going to fail this test? When he fails, I don't love him less. I don't love my kids less because they fail. In fact, I love them more and I get more driven to try to put them on the right path, which is exactly what God does. I feel like, like, you know, each and every one of us are his children and he wants each and every one of us to succeed exactly the way I want my kids to succeed only times infinity and beyond. And so he only wants every single one of us to do our very best every single day. And there, there is, God does not make people do bad things. People do bad things because people do bad things. And that's not God. You know, he says, he says, don't do this and don't do that. Or you will suffer seven generations, your kids. Why did he say that? Because I would fight a raging bull for my kid. So if God says, don't do it, or your kid's going to suffer, I promise you I'm not going to do it. So he didn't say that so that you would be terrified into loving him. He said that so you understood, like, what is on the line here. Like, this, you know, if this is my gifts, the greatest gifts I will ever have is my children. And that's what we are for him. So when you become a parent, I feel like it's easier to put yourself in the mindset of God and, like, why he does do that. Why do we face hardships? My kid is 18, you know, and he's getting ready to face life and you know when you look at that little baby in their little eyes when they're and it's like a second and it's gone and now he's grown up and it is a terrifying thing let me just tell you and parents get a little crazy but that's just because we love them but you have to let them fail just like God has to let us fail and we're going to fail and just because he doesn't he will always be there to pick you up but you have to you have to get yourself in situations where you don't need to be picked up where you you lean on him to get you through those hard situations that's what life is all about you lean on god he'll get you through the tough times there will be tough times so don't don't go into life thinking this is going to be peachy keen and jelly bean because it is not it is hard <laughs> top that coach <laughs> I was going to say what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Took the words out of my mouth. Man, this is good stuff. And, man, I'm so appreciative of, of, of just of God allowing us to share a stage together. And um, the things you all have shared. And... is what we need to hear. And there's people in this room today that have heard what you guys said. And there's people in this room today that are facing some confrontational moments in their life. And you both have spoke Two people about what they're facing. <laughs> if you'll bow your hand, close your eyes.
Jesus. We thank you so much for just facilitating us in a room and allowing us to come to you with our with our faults and our failures and our brokenness and our hurt and our strife that we face on a daily basis. We thank you that you give us an opportunity to keep coming back. you always accept our offer of our lives. And God, I know that you know every person sitting in this room today and you know what they're facing. You know the battles that they're enduring at this moment and some of them have some family issues that's going on and it's, they're sitting here hurt, they're sitting here broken, and they're sitting here feeling like I'm abandoned. I don't know how to go on ready to give up, they're ready to throw in the towel and they come and sit down in a church room and they hear people talk about don't give up. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. And you've opened your eyes today to see that the enemy is not that person. It's not the flesh and blood, but it's the enemy of our soul that's attempting to throw us off course. That's trying to take us out. help us to do what you did use scripture as our source of strength use scripture to back up our faith to very simply put it just say not the day devil so everybody every head bowed no eyes looking around nobody looking around is there anybody here today that you're facing situations and you just feel like, man, I'm glad I came today. Today's my day and I'm so glad I'm here. Just lift your hands for today's the day. And you're willing to say to the devil right now, not today, devil. Amen. Amen. Lots and lots of hands looking around. It's so awesome. Father, I pray a prayer of blessing over these that are facing situations that are, have battles going on. God, for those that are sitting here today that may be even giving their life to you today, that finally they've come to this conclusion that I'm just going to lay it all down. I'm tired of trying to figure it out. I'm tired of trying to do it my way. And I'm, I'm ready to just give in and say, here it is, God. My broken, messed up life. It's yours. And God, I know that you will use it. And I know you will meet them right where they're at. So for somebody here, and today's the day that you've, you've, you've just decided, I, I'm ready to throw it in. I'm, I'm going to throw in the towel, right? I'm throwing in the towel and saying, I'm tired of fighting. I want the peace of God that passes all understanding. Today's that day, just simply pray a very simple prayer. And just say, Jesus, I give you my life. It is yours. It's as simple as that. He'll accept it, I assure you. 
Father, I just speak blessings over my two co-laborers that you've presented before us today. God, I pray over Coach Sammy. Pray over his life. Pray over his wife, over his son. I just pray prayers of blessings. God, that you would encourage him, that you would strengthen him. God, that you would cause him to rise up and be the mighty man of valor that you called him to be. God, give him words of wisdom when he faces trials. God, let him raise up and be the leader that you've called him to be to the young people in our community. Be with him whatever he sets his hands to, God. Bless him indeed. And God, for my dear sister Dee, fiery redhead that you created her to be God continue to use her for the good and stir up within her oh God a knowledge and a passion for you and God I speak blessings over their children her sons and her daughters speak blessings over her husband and that you would allow her to do your work you would bless whatsoever thing she puts her hands to. Bless her indeed. In Jesus' name. Amen.